0: Welcome to the Boot Room Podcast with me, Jamie Holm. I know it's been a while. To be honest, it's been pretty hard to get content recorded as it takes so long to pull everything together. But truth be told... My yearly payment to my subscription to Provider is up in October uh, and I wanted to test something which is probably a little quicker and easier to produce. The idea is to do some shorter weekly shows where I'll give my thoughts on Premier League games or any other big stories that are breaking in the world of football to be honest, it could be totally rubbish, but I thought I'd give it a go anyway. And there's only really one place that I can start this week, and it is to give a shout out to my good friend, Christy Holly. Um, As some of you may know, he's been part of this podcast for a couple of years. He recently took on a tough job at Racing Louisville. They're a brand new team. When he joined, they had no players at all. So he had to try and build a squad of players, then instill a culture, coach the players, get them used to a way that he wanted them to play, and ultimately then turn them into a team that can compete at the highest level. Now, to say it's been tough for him is an understatement, um, but knowing Christie as I do, he's an absolute fighter. Um, He's built a squad of players that are aggressive, They never know when they are beaten, so much so that over the weekend, they won their first trophy where they won the Women's Cup, beating FC Bayern on penalties, which, as you can imagine, considering this wasn't even a club uh, in in, in the recent past, is an unbelievable achievement and I really can't tell you how happy and proud I am of him. He took a, a very brave step in leaving his family to go to Kentucky. Um, so to see it working out the way it has for him has been brilliant. He genuinely is one of life's school guys. So tip of the hat, Mr. Christy Holly. Hopefully we'll get him back on the podcast soon when things have died down a little bit. On to the Premier League. So there's only really one place I can start. As you probably all know, I am a Liverpool fan. So I'm always going to start there. Um, good result for to Liverpool. Uh, tough test in Burnley. 1230 kickoffs are never really something I think that any football fan looks forward to. But having Liverpool fans back in the stadium is always going to be something to to look forward to and, and make a difference. A couple of things that stood out for me in the Liverpool game, and I, I think I said this on a NFC Day Trippers podcast that was on last week. Everybody talks about Virgil van Dijk being a brilliant centre back, and he is. one of the things that Liverpool have missed the most with Virgil van Dijk being away, is his distribution. And I mean that in an attacking sense. So a lot of players or a lot of teams, I should say, will come and try and press Liverpool high. Um, They'll try and cut the supply line off to fullbacks or into centre midfielders. But when you do that, Virgil van Dijk has the ability to hit a 60-yard pass into the feet of Mo Salah into the feet of Sadio Mane, into the feet of an onrushing Trent or Andy Robertson if he's starting, and to be able to turn defence into attack that quickly, and even if the pass isn't successful, Liverpool can get the second balls and then they can press higher up the pitch, so that's one thing that I've really noticed in these first two games, and I think Liverpool's second goal came directly from that, is that Long diagonal ping from Virgil van Dijk out to Harvey Elliott. And then all of a sudden Liverpool are in and, and ultimately get their second goal. Another thing to shout out, with all the plaudits off and going to Virgil van Dijk. Joel Matip. I mean, I've said on podcasts previously, his biggest challenge is the fact that he's made the crisps. If you can keep Joel Matip and Virgil van Dijk together for large part of this season, I think Liverpool will go toe-to-toe with Manchester City. I think Joel Matip is an elite centre-back. He doesn't get the praise that he deserves because I think there's always been question marks over his fitness, but he is very much an unsung hero at Liverpool. And I think given the type of challenge that Burnley threw at Liverpool, I think the pair of them stood up to it fantastically well. Um, And it really does bode well for Liverpool's season if you can keep those both fit. Next player to to give a shout-out to, Harvey Elliott. You think of how difficult it is to make a senior debut at Anfield for Liverpool in the Premier League, and then think of the type of team that you want to make that debut against. Burnley probably wouldn't be high up on the list. They're very aggressive. They're in your face. They're direct. You know, for a type of player like Harvey Elliott is, you know, he's small, diminutive, um, you know, he's not blessed with a huge amount of pace he was asked all sorts of different challenges in that game. And for me, he answered them all. He, the one thing he can tell, I think with, with good players is touching awareness. And from an early age, when he first joined Liverpool, I thought, Jesus, this kid's got something. Um, he seems like he's gone off to Blackburn. He's obviously had to deal with a lot of physicality in the championship. Uh, he showed that he can handle it well. Uh, he just has this calmness, Uh, about him whenever he's in possession of the ball. Dare I say it, a little bit of the is about him. He can move in and out of different positions, float in between lines and pick a pass. Um, You know, so for a lad that's making his senior debut for Liverpool at Anfield at 18 years of age, I think the future is incredibly, incredibly bright for for Harvey Elliott and I'm I'm really excited about what he could uh, do for the club. Next up, I think you'll we probably see a little bit more squad rotation from Liverpool. Um, I think the key this season is is going to be able to keep the spine consistent. Obviously not be littered with the injuries that Liverpool faced last season, which in my opinion was just a, a freak season and you can nearly just forget about it. If you can keep that core spine together, I think you'll see a lot more rotation. And Liverpool, despite what a lot of journalists will tell you, actually have good squad depth I think the challenge is actually around trusting the players to stay available. So the likes of your Naby Cates, your Alex Oxley chamberlain your Joel Matip, who I've just mentioned. I think there's question marks over Henderson's fitness. He, he picks up a few niggles, even for Bino, uh, to some degree. So I think that's going to be Liverpool's biggest challenge this season is, is being able to keep everybody fit. But if they can, say maybe this is re- rose-tinted glasses, red-tinted glasses, I still think that Liverpool are, are the favourites for the title, despite what Manchester City have, have spent. Um, whether that bold claim comes to fruition, only time will tell, but I really do have a lot of faith in this Liverpool Liverpool squad. Now, the other thing that came out of the Burnley game that I loved is tackling. Tackling is back. How boring was football last season with VAR? nonsense with lines, the fact that any type of contact meant a foul. I know Klopp came out after the game and spoke about, you know, he felt Burnley were a little bit rough. I've I've got no issue with that. I want to see contact in football. Yes, they probably did overstep the mark, but you've got to remember, Burnley aren't as good as Liverpool. They don't have the type of players that Liverpool do. So they have to try and even up the score a little bit. Whether that's, you know, overstepping the mark sometimes, so what? If it ruffles up Liverpool, it ruffles up their manager, it ruffles up their players, good. From Burnley side, they've got to try and get a level playing field. So no real issue for me. I actually love seeing how lenient the referees have been. Uh, I'd certainly prefer that to, to what we have been seeing over recent years, which is, you know, shirt pulling and people are going down holding their face and any type of touch is is deemed a foul now so long may it continue and I was surprised by Klopp having a bit of a moan but look he's got to protect his players and maybe get into referees heads for for future games so I can understand it but I I don't actually agree I I think it's great and, and incredibly refreshing to see football go back to what we used to know it as which is a contact sport next up Chelsea Arsenal um Main thing that came out of this game for me was how impressive Lukaku is. He seems to be the type of player that has worked so much on his game. I know uh, a lot of my family, they're, they're blues and they weren't blown away by him when he was at Everton. There was still some holes in his game. There was question marks over his first touch, but I think whenever you see him now, as I said, he just looks like he's been dedicated to his craft. He's developed in so many ways. I think his movement is excellent. I think his hold-up play is superb. He can run the channels. And as much as it pains me to say it, you know, being a Chelsea player and a former Everton player, well, and United player actually comes to think of it, he seems a really good guy. Um, and it has to be said, you look at where Chelsea are at the moment, He and the type of player he is, he looks to me the perfect player at the perfect time for Chelsea, uh, I'd still probably have question marks over their centre backs in terms of being able to compete at the top of the league. But in Lukaku, they've guaranteed themselves 20, 25 goals a season, a real focal point. Um, so, yeah, the signs look very, very positive for Chelsea. And if you think that Liverpool, uh, they're going to Liverpool next Saturday, what a battle that looks to be between himself and, and Virgil van Dijk. When you look at Arsenal, however, COVID issues aside, I mean, what what type of team are Arsenal now? You know, if you look at Arsenal and the gap between them and the top sides, it's just so big. You know, you listen to the commentators in the second half and they were praising Arsenal at 2-0 for playing slightly better and not giving up. I mean, is that how far Arsenal have fallen that they're now getting praise for that? You know, I, I think, I see Arsenal as, you know, one of the big clubs, you know, they have a history of being successful in the Premier League. Arsene Wenger is one of the best managers to ever grace the Premier League. They've had some of the best, arguably best, in Thierry Henry players the Premier League has ever seen. But I don't know what type of team Arsenal are anymore. I don't know what Arteta is trying to do. I don't know what type of philosophy he's trying to 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 build and instill in the players. I don't see an identity. I always think for with managers and coaches, you know, after a few months, you should start to see what type of team they want, what type of fundamentals those coaches and managers stand for. I don't see any of that with Arsenal. I don't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't understand what type of coach he is. And more importantly, I don't know what direction they're going. I think if you look back to a lot of the Arsenal fans when Wenger was the manager, it's fair to say now the grass isn't always greener. And if you went back to those Arsenal fans and said, would you have Wenger back? I think they'd be stupid not to. I'd have him back in a heartbeat. And it's actually sad to see how far Arsenal have fallen. And I know Christy, if he's listening, will probably be smashing his phone (laughs) <laughs> not being able to, to challenge and, and discuss Arsenal because he loves them more than more than anybody. But yeah, it's really sad to see and, and I just can't see it ending well for Arteta if this continues. Next up, United. Um, surprising and poor result for them, all things considered. Um, I expected them to go to Southampton and beat them comfortably. But I think what this does show for me is... Yes, United have a lot of talented players but and a lot of squad depth, but I think they've bought in the wrong positions. Varane, great signing, top-class centre-back, and definitely somebody that United would need. But for me, I still think they're missing that one thing, which is a dictating centre-mid to control games and allow them to build through the lines. When you look at United starting midfield, there's not enough quality in there, either in possession or out of possession. and it's going to be fine because Manchester United are going to win a lot of games against lesser teams where it's maybe not as important. But I just think when you come up against the top teams or when the expectation is to now go on and and try and challenge a Manchester City for the league or a Liverpool, the engine room is so important now that I just don't think Manchester United have enough in centre midfield to go and win those type of games or win the big trophies. And, for me, I still think there's question marks over the manager. Does he have enough tactically to win when it really matters and not just rely on the individual talents of his players to get him through, you know, large chunks of a season when it really matters? Would you trust Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to be tactically astute enough to bring the big trophies home? For me, no, not not for me. Manchester City. um, difficult one for me because I love Jack Grealish he was my favorite non-Liverpool player so it's annoying that he's now gone to City as it's hard for me to cheer him on uh, interesting signing really keen to see what Pep does with him I cannot speak more highly of the talent that Jack Grealish has but interesting to see how he fits into a Manchester City setup um you know, he does te- have a tendency to take the, take the sting out of a game and keep the ball, which maybe doesn't lend itself to how City like to play. But under Pep in, in one of the best coaches of the world, in, in, you know, incredibly excited to see from a football sense what he does with Jack Grealish, but hopefully he doesn't do it when, uh, when City play Liverpool. Rumour City still going for Kane. Um, it is kind of like the playing on a cheat code. And when you think about it, you know, the type of chances that they create consistently, you know, where it's, it's, Brought to the byline, it's the cutback and then the finish. You could quite easily see Harry Kane smashing all, scoring records for them. He'll get an absolute bag full. But you know, if you said to me 150 million for Harry Kane, it's, it's it's a lot of money. Um, pretty much a surefire thing for them. Will he ruin his legacy at Tottenham? Yes, he will. But you can't blame the guy who wants to win trophies and the top players need to be playing at the top level consistently in the Champions League. So I uh, suppose makes sense for City, makes sense for Kane, and probably makes sense for Spurs as they'll be able to reinvest all of that money. One thing to call out for City um, that I don't think enough has been made of, Bernardo Silva. If I was some of the teams in the top six, I would be all over him. I think he is an incredibly gifted player snidey in the best way possible, works hard and just clearly needs a manager who's going to make him a focal point of a team and put his arm around him. I'd have him at Liverpool in a heartbeat. Uh, so I'd certainly surprised that a lot of teams haven't been trying to, to take him from City given they'll probably have to balance the books after spending so big on Kane. A couple of other things to finish off on. Um, how good is it to see Ellen Road? in full voice in the, uh, back in the Premier League, the way they should be Leeds. It didn't feel quite right last season having Leeds in the Premier League without a packed Allen Road. Some atmosphere there. That's one definitely on my bucket list is to get to Allen Road to watch Liverpool play. I just think that the Premier League is better for having Leeds United in it and having their fans in it. So fantastic to see the stadium in full voice over the weekend. Fantasy football. Um Oh, so annoying. I took Jota out of my team as I wasn't sure he'd start. I thought Firmino would come back in and of course Jota scores. But I suppose 49 points off the back of 90 last week with three West Ham players to play tonight isn't horrendous. Um, But just... Anyone that listens to this and plays fantasy football, just remind me not to use my wild card so soon. I do it every year. Within the first five weeks, my wild card is gone. So I'm really going to try and resist the temptation to use it early. I tell myself this every single season. Don't use the wild card. Don't use the wild card. And yeah, within five weeks, it's gone. But this year will be different. I promise. So with that, that's the first of these little mini podcasts um, that I'm going to try and do. Let me know what you think. If the feedback is terrible and you thought it was rubbish and it's just me wittering on, um, you probably won't have to hear another one. <laughs> but if it is something you'll enjoy, I'll try and keep them going on a weekly basis. Just don't tell my missus as she already thinks I do far too many podcasts as it is. With that being said, I'll be on the LFC day trippers on Wednesday doing the midweek fix. So check us out on YouTube at 10 PM. If you haven't already with that, have a great week. I might be back with you again next week on the Bootroom Podcast. Look after yourselves. All the best.